Can you hear me? How's everybody doing? It's good to be here at San Jose Central. You know, I've only been at the I've only been to the foyer of this church, and this is this is this evening I get to debut the sanctuary. So I'm really excited to be here. It feels kind of weird. It feels like it's supposed to be this. It feels like it should be the Sabbath, you know, because it's we're in the house of God, but it isn't the Sabbath. It's Sunday, amen. But uh, like uh, Pastor Tony mentioned. Um, I was in the Dominican Republic last week, and uh, my father, by the way, thank you all for praying. Uh, I sent messages all over this green earth for the health of my father and for his, more so for his spiritual security than his physical restoration, although we did request for his spiritual, for, excuse me, for his physical restoration. Um, my father's been battling cancer now for about three years or so. Popping, I don't know that. and less and less. As soon as I walked in, typical in a Dominican culture and even in the Hispanic culture, that the first thing that they do after they hug you and kiss you and say, how was your flight? They tell you, okay, sit down because it's time to eat. You guys know what I'm talking about? So um, I, was, I was fed wonderful food. And as soon as, while I was eating, one of, my, one of my relatives came inside. She's a preacher. She's a preacher. She's a, a committed Seventh-day Adventist. My father's a kind of more nominal Catholic background, um, open to, to spiritual things, open to religion, but not a committed Christian per se. She comes in with her entourage, with her crew, about six or seven people, and they come into the living room. Uh, they greeted me, and she says, all right, we're going to read a psalm. We're going to read a psalm of restoration uh, for your father. They read it. They had intercessory prayer, and she started preaching, and she started making an appeal to my father in his living room. And it said, Agustin, my father's name is Jose Agustin. We, we call him Agustin. His, we, we call him Ting for short, Agustin. Anyways, in the Dominican Republic, everybody has a nickname. So his nickname is Ting. So she says, Agustin, it's time for you to accept Jesus as personal Savior. It's time for you to embrace him as your personal friend. And uh, my auntie looks at me, uh, Nuri is her name. She looks at me. She says, Jay, did you, bring your, did you by any chance have a hymnal? And it's really odd because I never travel with a hymnal. That's just not my thing. I don't, I don't travel with a hymnal. And just before I left San Jose, I said, you know what? Let me bring my little Spanish Inario Adventista just in case if I'm going to need it. I'm like, why would I need an Inario? But I brought it anyways. Well, it came very handy because I pulled it out. There were seven people there, and we sang two songs. My cousin, who's a very good singer, he was eating with me. As soon as we finished eating, we began singing uh, aunque en esta vida so, uh, falten me riquezas, sé que allá en la gloria tengo mi mansión. Yes, some of the Spanish saying, they're shaking their heads because they know this song, Más Allá del Sol. And uh, after we sang that, I mean, just looking at my father, he was just sitting there in the couch and he was just like taken to another universe, you know? And we finished singing that one, and then the last one that we sang was. Um, Cuando suene la trompeta, cuando suene la trompeta en el día del Señor. So we finished singing everything, and it, there was an ambiance of spirituality. It almost felt like we were just hanging around angels. And we finished the song. There was about silence for about five seconds. And my father just goes, Qué bonito. Qué bonito. Qué bonito. That's all he said. He says, How precious, how precious. So that was, wow, priceless. That experience that I had with him was priceless. 
The following day, the day after, he was in pain. He was under medication, so the really uh, the interaction was very minimal. The last day, Thursday, before I flew out, I went to his. Uh, we talked a little bit. We we gave him his medication. We talked. Uh, we actually got a few smiles, and in spite of his pain, he was still very sarcastic. My father's he's kind of a funny guy. He's a, he's a comedian. And uh, it was nap time, so he took a nap, and it came time for me to leave, so I had to gently wake him up. And I said, Dad, I, I, I have to go. And he's like, what? What do you mean you have to go? I said, yeah, I have to go. It's time for me to go. And he says, so when are you coming back? When am I going to see you again? And I stopped, and I said, what, what do I tell him? What do, what do I answer? The medical professionals say that if he, if he lives to the end of the month, that's a miracle. So I whispered a prayer, and in a split second, the Lord gave me the right answer. I said, Dad, uh, I'll see you soon. I'll see you soon. I'll see you soon. And he looks at me and he's like, oh, okay. I'll see you soon. And then he goes back to sleep. <laughs> so that was the last recollection of my father and he's still fighting he's a tough guy uh, he's actually quite stubborn he doesn't like to t take his medication but all of those experiences would have not been a reality if it wasn't for individuals like you praying for my father so I want to thank you all for interceding for him and um, I believe that uh, the Lord answered your your prayers and he's still answering our prayers as we pray together for his soul this week, I'm very excited for this week, when Pastor Tony told me the theme, I was like, wow, really? Because those of you who know about the general, how many of you went to GYC this year? The Generation of Youth for Christ. Was I the only one that went? The GYC, we had many, many people from San Jose, a lot of representation there. And the theme was, fill me our earnest plea. And there was 7,500 young people Sabbath morning in the convention center at Houston, Texas. People from all over the world, people from Australia, New Zealand, people from France, from England, from Portugal, from uh, uh, South Africa, all over the world. And they were there for one reason, and that's because they wanted to be filled. Amen? I believe the Lord is, is creating a movement of young people in the worldwide Seventh-day Adventist Church. By the way, did you know that the Seventh-day Adventist Church was started by young people? Did you know that? Ellen White was 17 years old. Any 17-year-olds here? Okay, good. We have one. Oh, I know her. I know her. TBA. That's right. 17 years old. One of the pillars of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. James White was 23. Any 23-year-olds? 23, 23 all right. No 23-year-olds tonight. Uriah Smith was 15 years old. Any 15-year-olds? Okay, no 15-year-olds. I think you get the point. The Seventh-day Adventist Church was started by a group of young people, but they were not just any type of young people, amen? They were committed to spiritual things, and they were committed to discovering truth, and they were willing to lose sleep over it, amen? They were willing to sacrifice meals and sacrifice leisure for the sake of discovering Bible truth. And I believe if God chose young people to start this global movement, a prophetic movement of destiny, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, with young people, I believe he will be using young people again to finish the work of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Amen? Now, that doesn't mean that those that are not so young, at, uh, that are young at heart, don't have a role. Amen? So don't celebrate quite yet. Don't throw in the towel because God needs everybody of every age. 
But I believe in the last days, God is going to use the young people in a special way like he's using them now. And GYC, in my opinion, I believe is a fulfillment of prophecy. This week, fill me our earnest plea is our theme. The message for this evening is fill me our earnest plea. Tomorrow, we're going to talk a lot about the Holy Spirit. Why? Because when we say fill me, what are we talking about? We're wanting to be filled by, with what? We're wanting to be filled by the Holy Spirit. Tomorrow, our message is entitled, The Spirit and New Beginnings. I love that message. Be here. We're going to talk a little bit about how the Spirit of God can take your life. It doesn't matter what condition your life has found, all of the disasters, all of the dark stains in your history. If you give the Spirit a chance, an opportunity, He can give you a new beginning. And that's what we're going to talk about tomorrow night. Tuesday night, we're going to talk about the Spirit and the breath of God. I love that message. You do not want to miss that message. Do you feel like you're suffocating in the spiritual walk? You feel like you need some oxygen? I do too. The Bible talks about how God has given us his breath so that we could breathe and so that we can engage in aggressive spiritual warfare for the kingdom of God. And we don't have to be panting as Christians. Amen? We don't have to be gasping for air. We can breathe if we have God's breath. Wednesday night, our message is entitled, Desperate Situations and Radical Decisions. I love that message. Please be here. It's an exciting message that talks about the fact that your decisions, however small, however minute, however insignificant you think they are, can do powerful things in your life and in the lives of those around you. Thursday night, our message is entitled, Between Jerusalem and Jericho which I believe is a very relevant message for, for the young people and for, for adults, but particularly for young people who are battling between living in this world but not being of this world. Amen? And our last message is Friday night is entitled The Elijah End Time Revival. And we're going to talk a little bit about how can we not only be filled by the Holy Spirit, but how can our homes... Be filled by the Holy Spirit. Because when you look at a church, what is a church? It's simply a collection of homes. And if you want to see revival in this church, how many of you would like to see revival in this church? Ladies and gentlemen, revival does not begin in the temple. Amen? Revival begins in your living room. Friday night, we're going to be addressing those issues. And I believe, by the grace of God, every single home that is represented here can experience revival. And if your home is on fire for Jesus, guess what? The church is going to be on fire. Because you bring that revival into this church. Rather than coming to church expecting to receive something, you come to church to give. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the week that we have ahead of us. And of course, all the messages are tentative. Because if the Spirit wants to take a detour, we will obey the voice of the Spirit. Amen? We have to follow the Spirit's GPS. And when the, when, the, when the GPS says rerouting, amen, you have to obey that rerouting because sometimes you think you know where you're going, but you're going to a dead end. Tonight, fill me our earnest plea is our message. I want to invite you to bow your heads with me as we pray and as we begin the message for this evening. Father, we thank you so much that you give us the opportunity to be here in the house of prayer. You give us the opportunity to be here in the heart of San Jose. Father, the 10th largest city in America, 
one of the most innovative cities in this country. Many wealthy people, many brilliant people, yet, Father, many needy people, many empty people. And, Father, tonight we represent some of those empty people, and that's why we're here, because we want to be filled. Father, fill us with the satisfying water of heaven. Fill us, Father, with that bread that satisfies our hunger. And fill us, Lord, with not a sensational and fleeting religious experience, but fill us with something that is substantial and something that is lasting. Father, we pray that you hide this preacher behind the cross. We did not come here to hear the philosophies of man. We came here to hear the words of God. And Father, I pray that you may speak because we are ready to listen. And more so than listen, Father, we are ready to embrace the message that you have for us. And by the grace of God, Lord, we can apply it to our own lives. Thank you, Lord, for listening to our prayer. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Let everyone say, Amen. There's a story of a little girl who, after church, approaches mommy. And the little girl, uh, it was a little unusual, but this particular Sabbath, she actually was paying attention to the message. Amen? And she says, Mommy, they were driving home. Yes, dear. Mommy, the preacher was saying that we need to be filled with God. Mommy was very impressed. Mommy said, that's right, dear. I am so proud of you that you were listening. The daughter said, but mommy, I don't understand. Mommy says, what don't you understand? The daughter said, but mommy, how big is God? And mommy thought for a second, and she says, he's very big. <laughs> but how big is God, she asks. And mommy says, I, I don't know, but he's very, very big. But mommy, she, God is bigger than, than we are, right? And mommy says, of course. God is, is the greatest being. He's the largest being in the universe. And the daughter says, well, mommy, if God is the largest and the biggest being in the universe, if God is supposed to fill our lives, if God is supposed to fill our hearts, Shouldn't he overflow? The wisdom of children. Amen? The psalm says, through the mouth of babes, you have perfected praise. Listen to, listen to the, the innocence, yet the brilliance of that little girl. Mommy, if God is supposed to fill our hearts, which is relatively small, and God is so big, shouldn't he overflow? Shouldn't he overflow? Ladies and gentlemen, if God is filling your life, if he's filling your heart, if he's filling the secret chambers of your soul, somebody better be able to tell. Amen? Because God is a lot bigger than you. And if God is filling you, guess what? You should be overflowing with God. God wants to fill our hearts, but when God fills our hearts, he's so, he's so vast, he's so illimitable, he's so big, he's so large, that when he fills us, really, we're just overflowing with the love of 
God. And that's what it really means to be filled with the Spirit of God. Many of us have a misunderstanding of what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. And ladies and gentlemen, many times in our Christian experience, we find ourselves to be religious individuals, but not necessarily spiritual individuals. And in the Bible, there are many, many characters that you find. Nicodemus was one man who was religious, yet he was not spiritual. And Jesus was there whispering, and he was teaching them at night, teaching him how to be spiritual, not merely religious. I wonder if there's a religious person tonight that is void of the sweet presence of the Spirit of God. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we're going to really break down this first word of our theme. Fill me, our earnest plea. What does it mean to be filled? What does it mean to fill? What does it mean to be full? How many times do you, got, you all have potlucks in this church? Once a month? Twice a month? Once a month, right? And when you have potluck, and you're there at your last bite, and you take that last bite, and you chew it, and you let the flavor just marinate all over your mouth, and you take your last swallow, and you're like, ah. How does it feel? It feels very satisfying, right? It feels like, wow, does it get any better than this? Ladies and gentlemen, that satisfaction that you have when you take that last bite of that, uh, of that pancit, I don't know if there's any Filipinos in the house, of that, of that lumpia, of that arepas, I know pastors from Venezuela, of the enchilada or tortillas, I, don't, I doubt you have any Dominicans here, of that um, mofongo, mangu, yeah, they don't know what I'm talking about. But when you take that last bite, you're like, oh, I am so satisfied, right? Ladies and gentlemen, that is the satisfaction that God wants to give you, not physically, but spiritually. There are so many people living in this world that are so full of physical food, but they are malnourished spiritually. There's a lot of spiritual anorexia in San Jose tonight, amen? There's even spiritual individuals who are bulimic, who hear the messages but as before they leave the church, guess what? It comes right out. Ladies and gentlemen, we need the spiritual ailments of God so that we could be spiritually nourished to the point where we could be spiritually healthy. There are several things that we fill our minds, fill our hearts with that I believe are detrimental to our soul. So tonight we're going to talk about what does the Bible say that man fills themselves with that they shouldn't and what does the Bible say regarding the things that we need to fill ourselves with? Amen? What I love about the Bible is that it doesn't just tell you the problems. Amen? The Bible is not like a lot of us Christians. Amen? Who just point the finger. We're experts at, we're like the, 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 the perfect, you know, detectors. We just detect error, but we have very difficulties providing solutions. We're very good at being negative, but we're very difficult at being optimistic. And the Bible not only tells us our problem, it actually provides us our solution. And by the way, if you don't have a Bible tonight, tomorrow please, please bring it, because revival is impossible without the Bible. Amen? What do we fill ourselves with? Job chapter 15 and verse 2. 
What is it that we fill ourselves with? What does the typical person in San Jose fill their lives with? We're going to see two texts in the book of Job and one in Isaiah. These are, the, these are three things. And by the way, there's 101 things, but we don't have time for 101. We're just going to nail it down to two, to three rather. And when you look at Job, which by the way is the oldest book in the entire Bible, and it deals with some of the most hardcore philosophical issues of life. It's a, it's a literary masterpiece, the book of Job. And it's actually quite confusing. It's very hard to understand. But it requires a lot of prayer in order to be illuminated about uh, what exactly he's trying to teach us. But Job chapter 15 and verse 2. Notice what the Bible say. Job chapter 15 verse 2 says, and it's a question. What is the question? Should a wise man answer with empty knowledge? And fit, there's that word. See that word? Fill. What is our theme? Fill me our earnest plea. According to Job 15, verse 2, this individual is filling themselves, but is not filling themselves with the Lord, is filling themselves with what? With the east wind. What in the world is the east wind? Have you ever filled yourselves with the east wind? What is the Bible telling us about the east wind? The east wind here is just a metaphor of emptiness. In fact, if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, if you read the, the NIV translation, it always talks about a key word is the word vanity. Have you noticed that? Those of you who study the book of Ecclesiastes. Vanity of vanities, all things is vanities, right? King James says, it is all vexation of spirit. But we have no idea what that means. So NIV is a lot better. NIV tells us it's all Striving after the wind. Have you ever tried to catch the wind? Grab it and put it into your pocket? It's kind of a difficult task, right? The Bible tells us, shall a man fill himself with wind, with vanity, with things that are fleeting, with things that are impossible to satisfy? Ladies and gentlemen, John chapter 15 is challenging modern-day contemporary man to really take into consideration what it is that he or she fills their life with. The reason why we are empty sometimes is because we fill ourselves with things that have low calories. And many a times it has the label of spiritual, spirituality, but really when you look at the fine print, it doesn't have a whole lot of substance. Job chapter 15 verse 2, man fills himself with the east wind. The east wind is empty knowledge, we're told. And a wise man will never do such thing. Job 23, you're in chapter 15. Run over with me to chapter 23 and verse 4. Job chapter 23, we're going to be using our Bibles, amen? We're going to be using our Bibles tonight and every night of this uh, week of prayer. Job chapter 23 and verse 4. What does the Bible say in Job 23 verse 4? I would present my case before him. And what? There's that, there's that word. You see the word? Fill. What is our theme? Fill me our earnest plea. We've seen one thing that so far that man fills himself with, and that is the east wind. Even in San Jose, many people fill themselves with empty knowledge. Things that don't satisfy, things that have no calories, spiritual calories. It leaves you empty. Number two, another thing that modern man fills himself with is what? Arguments. 
Ah, fascinating. Today, modern, isn't that fascinating? The oldest book in the Bible is telling us that modern man fills himself with arguments. Man, I could go so many places with this. <laughs> I better not. <laughs> Calm down, preacher, right? Amen. <laughs> so many arguments today. So many people have arguments against the existence of God. We live in an age where everything that is religious, anything that requires faith is, is categorized as irrational and unsophisticated. So today, modern day man, if you want to get a PhD, if you want to get a degree in, in any of these Ivy League, your faith is going to be in the crossfire. And modern day man is simply filling themselves with arguments against God. There's no question why it is we're living in the way that we live or why it is that our young people are making the decisions that they're making. Because all we fill ourselves with are two things so far. Number one, empty knowledge. The east wind, number two, with arguments against God. And that is why we are empty. That is why we are malnourished and we're experiencing spiritual anorexia. Isaiah chapter 56. Isaiah also addresses modern day man and it tells us and exposes what it is that we fill ourselves with. This one is a little bit less philosophical. This one is a little bit more practical. And I believe this one is rampant, especially among our young people. Isaiah chapter 56 and verse 12. It almost sounds like Isaiah is giving us a little glimpse, a little behind the scenes, behind the curtain, a sneak peek into a conversation of some young people after school's out. Amen? Isaiah 56 and verse 12. What is the conversation taking place? What do you read? Come, one says. I will bring what? And we will, what's that next word? Fill. <laughs> there it is. Fill. What are we going to fill ourselves with? With intoxicating drink. Does that sound familiar? Tomorrow will be as today and much more abundance. That's modern day philosophy, ladies and gentlemen. Tomorrow will be as today. In other words, there's always going to be tomorrow. Let's party. Let's live it up. Right? Because there is no God. We are an accident. We are all a product of naturalism. My grandparents were monkeys. So were yours. From the goo to the zoo to you. There is no moral absolutes. Let's live it up. Right and wrong, good and evil are simply opinions because God doesn't exist. Come on. I will bring wine. And we will fill ourselves with intoxicating wine. And we're going to party hard. Ladies and gentlemen, this is modern day America. This is San Jose exposed under the x-ray of the divine doctor and he's showing us the three things that we fill ourselves with today number one job we fill ourselves with what remember empty knowledge also known as the east wind low calories no substance number two we fill ourselves with what with arguments 
right? Arguments against God and arguments against others. But I won't go there tonight because I don't have time to get in there. And finally, we fill ourselves with intoxicating drink. We want to party hard. We want to have a good time. Why? Why? Because it's somehow a, an escape, right? When we fill ourselves with intoxicating wine, I, by the way, I don't have time to develop this, but I believe intoxicating wine is a false Holy Spirit. By the way, what is another word for liquor? Spirits. I can't go any deeper because of the time. I'm looking at the clock. Amen? Alcohol is a false Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen. And the reason why man has fallen in the altar of alcohol is because it is a quick fix. The problem is that it doesn't fix. It just simply gets your mind off of the problem. But it never solves the problem. And the reason why the Holy Spirit is so avoided is because the Spirit of God, unlike alcohol, actually addresses the issue and encourages you to do something about it. Unlike alcohol, which just takes your mind off of things and makes you feel as if you're in this fantasy world, but it, the effects only go for so long. Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible is addressing three things that modern-day men fill themselves with. Empty knowledge, the east wind, arguments, and intoxicating wine because we want to party hard. And the reason why we're empty, ladies and gentlemen, the reason why we're not happy, the reason why we don't have any purpose in life, the reason why we feel like we're, we're, we're worthless, the reason why young people, as popular as they may be, feel like they're the most loneliest people in the world is because they're empty. The Bible doesn't just address what we shouldn't fill ourselves with, these three things. By the way, there's many more. But the Bible tells us what we should fill ourselves with. Amen? So I'm not going to tell you what not to fill your life with. But rather, we're going to ask God, God, reveal to us, what is it that I'm missing in my life? What is it that I'm missing that is keeping me from feeling satisfied? Four things. There's 101, but we don't have time for 101. So the first one we're going to see is Ezekiel. Go to the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 3. And by the way, as you're turning to Ezekiel chapter 3, if there's any book that is very confusing and very difficult to understand and worthy of your attention and worthy of study, is the book of Ezekiel. Amen? Very difficult book to understand. If you want to get into some biblical calculus, open the book of Ezekiel and start reading it. Amen? Young people, I'm challenging you. Many times we simply do superficial glances of, of, of the Bible. Usually we go, only go to Psalms. Have you noticed that? <laughs> no disrespect to the Psalms. I love the Psalms. But what about the Minor Prophets? Which, by the way, tonight we're actually going to go to the Minor Prophets. Actually, that's my last text in the Minor Prophets. Young people, I challenge you to go to the very deep and complex portions of Scripture. Your life is going to be totally transformed and it will be challenged ezekiel chapter 3 what do we need to fill our lives with we've already addressed what we shouldn't fill our lives with so what do i need to do what do i need to do to fill myself okay let's take it ezekiel chapter 3 beginning in verse 1 when you're there say amen the bible says in verse 1 moreover he capital h god said to me son of man eat what you find what 
I'm so happy it doesn't stop there, right? That would be very scary if we followed that. Eat whatever you find. But notice what it says. It says, eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat the scroll. And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly. I love that. And here's the word. Are you ready? The key word in this message is fill. Our theme is fill me, our earnest plea. And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly. Here it is. And fill your stomach. Now, no, don't put a period there. Because if we just said fill your stomach, we'll, we go from here to we go to Taco Bell after, the, after church. This is not what he's talking about, ladies and gentlemen. Fill your stomach with what? With this scroll that I give you, so I ate, Ezekiel says. And it was in my mouth like honey in sweetness. Young people, you want to chew on something sweet? Sweeter than a Jolly Rancher? Are you tired of that bubble gum that loses its flavor in 10 seconds? God says, you want something to chew on? That's going to give you sweetness. Ezekiel was commanded, Ezekiel, eat this scroll. I know it sounds crazy, but eat it, chew it, digest it. Let it be a part of you, and your life is going to change. Young people, you want to have an experience with God? You see this book here? Eat it. Amen? Amen. Chew it like you've never chewed before. Read it. Memorize. Meditate. Read it backwards, upside down. Read it. Our early pioneers read the Bible till 3, 4 in the morning. And they were agonizing in prayer because they couldn't understand certain Bible passages. We don't understand certain Bible passages. We yawn, we close it. Ugh. And we turn the football game on. Amen? I'm a big sports fan. I'm not, I'm not blasting sports. I'm just saying that we don't invest the energy that we should into our spiritual lives. And that is why we experience emptiness. Ezekiel chewed the scroll. Young people, chew it. Taste it. If we spend an, as much time as we do watching those touchdowns and watching those home runs and watching those uh, buzzard beaters, as much as we spend time in the Word of God, I guarantee you, your life, your spiritual life will have touchdowns. Your spiritual life will have buzzer beaters. Right as the time, as the clock is ticking and you're wondering, how am I going to get under this mess? What am I going to, Lord, I need to be rescued. Boom, buzzer beater, the Lord answers your, answers your prayer. Why don't we have buzzer beaters in our lives? It's because we don't spend time chewing the scrolls of God. And because we don't spend time chewing the scrolls of God, we are destitute and we're in another frequency and we can't hear the voice of God. Not because he's not there, not because he's not speaking, it's just because we're in a different station. It's very difficult for me to hear the news report when I'm jamming to a different station. Amen? And the problem is that God is communicating his messages of love, his messages of counsel, his message of orientation, but we're jamming to another station. 
the more you chew the messages of God, you taste the sweetness like honey, your frequency will change. And the voice of God becomes a little bit more clear. And you're able to distinguish the voice of God in the, in the multitude of chaotic voices that we hear in our daily experience. Young people, what do we need to fill ourselves with, according to Ezekiel chapter 3? The Word of God. If we do not fill ourselves with the Word of God, our stomach is going to hurt. We will experience spiritual anorexia. That's the first thing we need to do. Second thing, 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to use the Word of God tonight. And we're going to use it every week. So I encourage you to bring your swords. Because what is a soldier without his sword? 1 Samuel chapter 16. I wish we could get into this story, but we don't have the time. 1 Samuel chapter 16. This is David, anointed king. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. What's the next word? Ah, there it is. This is the thread. This is the thread that is going through our entire message. Fill. Fill what? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemites, for I have provided myself a king amongst his sons. I have provided myself a Bethlehemite, a king amongst his sons. You see, Samuel was set on Saul. Samuel was banking on Saul. He wanted Saul to be the man that God wanted him to be. But we know the story of Saul. He had different agendas. He got proud. He got arrogant. He thought he was all that in a bag of chips. Game over. But Samuel was lamenting over Saul, over Saul. And God's like, why do you keep lamenting over Saul? Get your horn and fill it with oil and go because that wasn't my plan that was my plan maybe you're lamenting over a job that you have just lost maybe you're lamenting over a broken relationship maybe you're lamenting over whatever the situation may be and just like samuel you're lamenting and you're lamenting and god's like why do you keep lamenting and mourning over this get your horn I have better things. I have bigger things for you. Fill your horn with what? With oil. What does oil represent in the Bible? It represents the Spirit of God. How many of you remember that, that famous parable of the ten virgins? What was the critical distinction between the wise and the foolish? The oil. As my good friend Ivor Meyer says, there was an oil crisis. Amen? There's so much talk about oil in the political world and America invading these Middle Eastern countries trying to take oil. There's an oil crisis, ladies and gentlemen, but it isn't that kind of oil. It's a spiritual type of oil. And many nations, yay, many Christians are destitute of this oil. And if they don't do something soon, it could be a game over situation. God says, take your horn. The situation was difficult. I understand. You had high hopes. You were expecting this relationship to work out. You were expecting this particular position in your job to work out. I'm sorry it didn't work out as you planned, but I have greater things for you. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight God has greater things for you. He wants you to go to the Bethlehemites because he has a king that he has anointed. 
He wants you to take your horn and fill it with the Holy Spirit. There's nothing wrong with having bank accounts, amen? There's nothing wrong to having a lot of zeros in your bank accounts. But what about your spiritual bank account? Many times we want to withdraw, but it says access denied because we have not filled our spiritual bank accounts with the oil of heaven, which is priceless. You cannot put a price tag on the Spirit of God. Ladies and gentlemen, two things. We need to fill our stomach with the scroll of God. Number two, we need to fill our horns with the oil of God. Number three, run with me back to Job chapter 8. Job chapter 8, just a few more Bible texts. Don't get, don't get weary on me, saints. Job chapter 8 and verse 21. Job chapter 8 and verse 21. What is it that God is going to do? God, are you going to come through? If I risk my life and I risk my happiness, sometimes we think if we follow God, we are jeopardizing our fun. We are jeopardizing our happiness. Young people, listen to me. The most exciting life is when you're following that carpenter named Jesus. I don't care how fun snowboarding is, amen? I've done it before, I almost died. I didn't do it again. My brother also tried it, and he almost died. He, he didn't do it again. It's fun, expensive, but it's also dangerous. But the most exciting journey is not going to Mount Baker, where I went, Washington. Beautiful mountain. It's not going to Whistler, Vancouver, British Columbia, the mecca of snowboarding. It's going to Mount Calvary. You ever snowboarded off of Mount Calvary? Ladies and gentlemen, I challenge you to do it. It's exciting. When you follow Jesus, that's when you are going to be filled with excitement. Job chapter 8, verse 21. What is God going to fill us with? Here it is. Job 8, 21. He, capital H, referring to God, will yet fill your mouth with what? With laughing. And your lips with what? With rejoicing. Young people, listen to me. Whoever told you that being a Christian means that you have to have a sad face and drag your feet, they lied to you. Amen? <laughs> We're told, one of my favorite authors, she's a little old lady. Her name was Mrs. White. She says that we need more sunshiny Christians. Amen? We have a lot of overcast Christians, don't we? We have a lot of precipitation Christians. A lot of fall Christians. What about the spring? What about summer Christians? Amen? The Bible tells us in Job chapter 8 that God is going to give us. He's going to fill our mouths with laughing and your lips with rejoicing. We live in an age where America is obsessed with comedy. Amen? Is obsessed with, with comedy and is obsessed, obsessed with, with laughing. But sadly, when you look at the contents of what's causing people to laugh, is what? It's vulgarity, right? Disrespecting God, disrespecting the home, disrespecting the family, disrespecting women, amen? And we laugh at these things. God says, no, 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 no. You thought that was funny? Let me show you how to laugh with satisfaction. And you can laugh and be guilt-free. 
Many of the prophets, Zechariah, Zephaniah, they give you glimpses of what the new earth is going to be like. And one of the most beautiful pictures we have, is, I believe is in Zechariah, where he says the streets of gold are going to be full of children. And they're going to be playing. And they're going to be laughing. Laughter is not something that is contrary to the Christian experience. The question is, what are you laughing about? Amen? God says he's going to fill you with laughter. He's going to fill you with rejoicing. Maybe you're just gloomy as a Christian. Maybe your experience with God is just dark, just melancholy. There's no sunshine. There's no, there's no sunrise. Ladies and gentlemen, God says he's going to fill you with laughter. And maybe tonight you need to say, God, fill me with optimism. My life is just pessimism mania. It's just negativity central. What is wrong with me? God wants to fill you with laughter, to be a contagious and a provocative Christian. Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15. Two more texts and we're done. Romans chapter 15. One of the greatest epistles ever, ever written. Be very careful when reading the, the epistle to the Romans, ladies and gentlemen. Because usually when people have read this in history, there's been reformations that have taken place. Amen? Revolutions. Revival. Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. The Bible says, now may the God of hope... What's that next word? There it is. Fill. May the God of hope fill you with what? With all joy. How many of you just want joy tonight? Amen? You just want to be just joy. Just want to be happy. We look at the thorns of life, but if you keep, look a little higher, look above the thorns, what do you see? you see? You see roses. Amen? God wants to fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Let me tell you something. When Christians have this experience, Sabbath is the most delicious experience of the week. Amen? It is the most delicious experience of the week. He fills you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of who? Notice, notice who the, who's the agent. Who's the host? The Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen. And that's what we're asking for this week. Fill me, O oh God. Fill me of this Holy Spirit so I could be full of optimism. I could be full of, of, of hope and of faith. Yes, 2011 was, was a tough year. Yes, I experienced this. I experienced that. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a new year. Amen? New challenges? Yes. New trials? Yes. But new blessings, new victories. Every trial and every difficulty that comes your way, on the other side of that bomb, there's a blessing and there's a victory that God wants to give you. In Isaiah chapter 8, we're not going to turn there. It says, he will pass through Judah. Isaiah 8, 8, if you want to write that down and read it when you get home. He will pass through Judah. He will overflow and pass over. He will reach up to the neck. Amen? How many of you want God to be so in your life that he, you're up to here? <laughs> you're up to here with God. That's what it says in Isaiah 8.8. 8. He will reach up to the neck. Ladies and gentlemen, oh, man, I really wish. I, that's what I'm craving. Lord, 2012, reach up, please. Come up to my neck and overflow. And the stretching out of his wings. The Bible says that God has wings. Figurative language, of course. 
He will, here it is, fill the breath of your land, O Emmanuel, O God with us. Isaiah 8.8. 8. That's the promise that God has for you tonight. Our last text. Our last text, Amos. Amos is in the, is in the Minor Prophets. Amos is one of those books we never read. Amen? <laughs> we just don't. What am I going to read for devotions? Usually we go to the Gospel of John. I love the Gospel of John. Amen? Usually we go to the Psalms. I love the Psalms. But what about Amos? Huh? Poor Amos. He always eats alone in the cafeteria. Nobody wants to hang out with Amos. Ladies and gentlemen, give Amos a chance. Amos chapter 8. And ladies and gentlemen, we're going to close with this. There's more, there's more to say, but time's, time is gone. Amos chapter 8. And this is why this is so critical. It's Amos 8. Beginning in verse 11, the Bible says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. I will send what? A famine. What is a famine? No food, ladies and gentlemen. There is a shortage of resources. Not a famine of bread. Wait a second, what kind of famine is this? Nor a thirst of water. So people are going to be physically full and they're going to be very hydrated. So what kind of a famine is this? It's not a famine of bread, nor a thirst of water, but a famine of, here it is, hearing what? The words of the Lord. There is a shortage of the word of God dwelling in the mind and in the hearts of believers. Ladies and gentlemen, those days are here. We're living in a famine. There's a famine in San Jose. There's a spiritual famine in San Jose. They shall wander from sea to sea, from north to the east. They shall run to and fro seeking the word of the Lord, but ladies and gentlemen, they shall not find it. In that day, the fair virgins and the strong young men shall faint from thirst. Ladies and gentlemen, we're living in an age where there's a spiritual famine in the land. And God says, listen to me, you don't have to maintain spiritual dehydration. You don't have to maintain spiritual starvation. I am here, and I'm here to fill all of your spiritual needs, all of your emotional needs, all of your social needs, and all of your physical needs. If you have God in your life, you have everything. If you don't have God in your life, you have nothing. We usually quote Romans where it says, if God is with us, who can be against us? But the opposite is just as true. If God is against you, who can be with you? Ladies and gentlemen, if we have God, we have everything. Quick review. Three things that we fill ourselves constantly every single day. San Jose, L.A., Chicago, Miami, Houston, New York City, America, the world. This is the state of things. We fill ourselves with empty knowledge. Fill ourselves with the east wind. Fill ourselves with arguments against God. Fill ourselves with intoxicating wine. And that's why we live the way we do. But God wants to fill us with the scroll. God wants to fill our horn with oil. God wants to fill our lives with joy and laughter. God wants to fill us with peace. God wants to come up to our neck. He wants to fill us so much that he's up to here, ladies and gentlemen. The question is, are you willing to let God in your life? 
Are you willing to let God be like what that little girl said in the introduction of our message? Mommy, God is so big. And we allow God inside our hearts. Shouldn't he overflow? Ladies and gentlemen, how many of you tonight recognize that there's a spiritual famine in your life? How many of you tonight recognize that there's a spiritual famine in your home, in your conversations, and you're like, Lord, please fill me, my earnest play. How many of you want to say, Lord, please fill me, fill my stomach with your words. Lord, please fill my horn with your oil. Please, Lord, fill me with laughter and joy. Fill me with peace and faith and optimism. Fill me up to the neck. Fill me so much that it's overflowing, and when others see me, they say, wow, this one must be of God. Amen? Amen. How many of you would like to, by the raising of your hand, reach up to heaven and say, Lord, drop a few of those drops of oil in my hands. Amen? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, tonight. We embark on this spiritual journey, the spiritual marathon, Lord, to be revolutionized in our Christian experience. Father, this is a new year, Lord. We do not want to maintain in mediocrity. We do, no, we do not want to maintain in superficiality. We want to dive deep into our experience with God. Father, tonight we pray that you forgive us, Lord. You know all of the things that we do and all of the things that we are. And we do a great job hiding it from others, Lord. Father, we don't want to hide anymore from you. Tonight, we want to come out of the closet. And we want to say, Lord, tonight I am empty. Tonight, I am in need of your spirit. I am in need of your words. I am in need of that oil. I am in need of joy and laughter. I am in need of peace. Father, I ask that you bless us all as we continue this week. And may the theme not only be just a request or a prayer, but our desire is that that prayer may be answered. That at the conclusion of this week of prayer, we may leave this house of prayer filled. Fill us, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Tomorrow night, our message is entitled, The Spirit and New Beginnings. If you want to know how to start over,